Good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. And I am happy to have you uh, join our program for today. I'm happy to have this opportunity to be able to study with you another portion of God's Word, and and uh, it's just a, a wonderful thing that we have to be able to uh, share in this time together by way of internet and radio, and and I'm thankful for for TGRN and and they're allowing us to be a part of uh, their programming. As we uh, begin our thoughts for today, we are again studying from why I'm a member of the Church of Christ, a book that is written by Leroy Brownlow. And we have been studying that on Wednesday nights as far as our uh, Wednesday night classes are concerned. And so I'm using these on our Tuesday programs as well. We're quite a bit further ahead in our Wednesday night classes. Um, and that's mostly because it takes us so long to get through um, the lessons on here, have a little bit more time on Wednesdays. And we started later, too. Um, but anyway, I am glad to be able to share these lessons with you. Something that I tried last week, and I'm going to uh, try this again. I wanted to share with you a, a short devotional, aside from our lesson for today, something that might help you, uh, something that I have been thinking about. In one of our sermons, we had been, we've been going through the Bible on Sunday evenings, and so we're just walking through the Bible. That's the, the title of, of this series, uh, A Walk Through the Bible, and we're just going through from Genesis to Revelation, Lord willing. We're in the very early stages of this, um, but my plan is to go all the way through the Bible, and we're picking up the important points and and just studying over those. And something that I have been thinking about, from Genesis chapter 49, I want to share with you a few verses from Genesis chapter 49, and then we'll look at Genesis chapter 50. In Genesis 49, verse 29, it says, Then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, and the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron, the Hittite, as a possession for a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah, the field, and the cave that is there where were purchased from the sons of Heth. And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. In the next chapter in Genesis 50, as we read the closing words of this chapter, we read of the death of Joseph, the son of Jacob. And here it says in verse 22, 
So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Mashir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land, to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being one hundred and ten years old. And they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. The circumstances in each of these instances is a little bit different in that Jacob had been brought to Egypt. Joseph spent most of his life in Egypt. Um, and we see how God has blessed him in his life there. But as we read these verses, we see a very similar request offered by Jacob and also by Joseph. Jacob did not wish to be buried in Egypt, and neither did Joseph. Both requested that they be carried out after death. Uh, Jacob wanted to be buried in the cave of Machpelah. And we remember that going back to Abraham who purchased the cave. And we see in the, the verses here in Genesis 49 exactly who is buried there. And Jacob wished to be buried um, with these, with, with his wife Leah. And as we look at Joseph, whenever he knew what was going to happen, he knew that God was going to lead his people out of Egypt. He knew that they were going to leave Egypt at some point. Uh, now, how much he knew about it uh, is beyond me. But he knew that they would not remain in Egypt. And when they left Egypt, he wanted them to carry his bones, his body, out of Egypt. And as we look at these requests, they are a little different in circumstances, but I believe that the idea is the same. Egypt was not Jacob's home, nor was it Joseph's home. In a sense, the home was with the people of God. They wanted to be taken with the people of God. Jacob to uh, the beginning, really, of, of God's people, as far as faith is concerned. We look at Abraham as the father of faith. Well, Jacob wanted to be associated with that faith. And so he wanted to be buried with Abraham, with those that were buried in the cave, including his wife, Leah. And Joseph wanted to be with the people of God when they left Egypt because it was not his home either. Their home was with the people of God. 
we may identify home as as different in different ways. We may think of the place where we live as home. We may think of maybe it's some location here on earth. Maybe it's uh, going back to where we were raised, to our homeland, so to speak. We may identify different things as home. But ultimately, home, home is with God's people. And at the end of this life, I, I hope that we are not placing such value on earth as being home. But the value is with God's people. The value is going to be in heaven. We're told not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth uh, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But our treasure is to be laid up in heaven. Matthew chapter 6. That's where our true treasure is. So I hope that home for you is with the people of God. I hope that you find a home in the church. I hope that you find a home in heaven at the end of this life. Let's make sure that our home is where God wants it to be. Not necessarily in the value of, of things of this life, but home is with God. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would be with us, that you would bless us, that you would care for us as you have. And and bless us now as we study your word together. May we understand the things that you have given us to understand. May we apply them in the proper way. May we use it to, to better ourselves as Christians and to shine your light in this world. We are thankful for your son, for his sacrifice for our sins. For all that he means to us, and it is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. We are studying in our book, Why I'm a Member of the Church of Christ, reason number nine. It believes all the Bible to be the inspired word of God. We have begun the first point, reasons for believing the Bible. And I have the point in mind, I think, where we left off. Um, and if not, then bear with me. Um, but just to review you a little bit, we talked a little bit about the credibility of the witnesses who give their report in the Bible. Uh, we have the apostles as credible witnesses of what Jesus did, of what Jesus taught, and they share with us what God wants us to do, to do today. They bear witness of the things which they had not only seen and heard, but the things that they had uh, experienced with Jesus. They share with us those things. And these things are for our learning. And we should see them as for our learning. Uh, We want to believe the Bible to be the truth. And as it is the truth, it helps us to know what God wants us to do. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, 
thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. If it is not given by inspiration of God, it is not to be believed because it is from man. And man himself cannot give us what God wants to give us. But God through man, through inspiration of the Spirit, has given us the words of the Bible that we can live by that we can use to help us to be better Christians, that we can use to do the good works that God wants us to do. And if we use it properly, then we know that we are God's people. We need to recognize the Bible as authority. It is authoritative in expression. I believe this is about the point where we left off last week. The Bible is authoritative in expression. As we look at the Bible, we find that we are given many instances of a thus saith the Lord. The language there is is King James related. Uh, But often we see in the words of the Bible, thus saith the Lord. We see it in the Old Testament. And as we get into the New Testament, we see that these things are from God. Now, as we look at the expression, thus saith the Lord. These are not the words of the speaker but the words of God, and the speakers are giving reference. They are giving credit to God, as they should. Uh, Thus saith the Lord is a message from God himself to his creation. The Bible, as a literary work, is greater than anything man could author. It supplies us with the very authority of God. Now, as we look at the writers, you think of, uh, let's go to the very beginning. You you have Moses. Um, The first five books of the Bible are believed to be authored by Moses except that he is not the author. He is the instrument through which the author works to deliver his message to us. But God is the author. And as we look at other books uh, going through uh, from Joshua to Judges, as we have the, the Chronicles of the Kings and And we have these books. We see that these things are given to us by God. You have the prophets who wrote. Um, We have major prophets such as Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel. You have minor prophets, uh, those that we would refer to as minor prophets, not because of the, the, the lack of importance to their work, 
but just because their works are not as lengthy as the major prophets. But you have prophets such as Haggai and Zechariah, Daniel, Hosea. Um, these are, are writers. They, they wrote the words of God. As you get into the New Testament, we have apostles that wrote books. And we have those who were not apostles. Such as Mark and Luke. We have... Uh, other authors as well, but, but as we look at the Bible, we understand that each of these authors are, again, just like Moses, they are instruments in which the true author used them to bring about his message to us today. Each is important in his own way, but the Bible is authoritative. These authors, so to speak, these writers, they will tell you, thus saith the Lord, because they're not the words of the writers themselves, they're not the words of man, but they are the words of God, and we need to view each and every word of the Bible as authoritative in that it is a message from God to us. It is a message for either our learning as we look at the Old Testament. Or maybe it's a message that is uh, to be directly taken as commandment. Such as what we have in the New Testament. In the letters that were written to the churches and so forth. We have messages that are given to us by God for a reason. And we need to see them as message, uh, as a message from God. The Bible is authoritative in expression. The Bible is also not biased. Man might be referred to as the main character of the book, but he is also sinful and imperfect. As we look at those that are mentioned in the Bible, we see that, that we have many backgrounds, many different types of people that are mentioned throughout the Bible. And as we look at each of these individuals, we find they are human. The writers of the Bible were inspired by God, and that's the only way that we can really believe the Bible to be true. But they were humans. And in their lives, they made mistakes. Even, uh, again, some of the main people that are mentioned throughout the Bible, they made mistakes. And we have those mistakes recorded for it. Noah, for instance, in Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 23. Genesis 9, verses 20 through 23. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk. And became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. And told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment. Laid it on both their shoulders. And went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away. And they did not see their father's nakedness. Oh, Noah was a great man of faith. 
but Noah was not perfect. And we see his mistake in, in being drunken, and not being sober-minded, and not being in his right senses. He was naked improperly before his sons. David made mistakes. David was a great man of faith as well. Had one of the closest relationships with God of anybody in the Bible aside from Moses. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning with verse 2, we read of his mistakes. 2 Samuel 11 and verse 2. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her iniquity, her impurity. And she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David, and said, I am with child. David's initial sin led to others. He had Uriah executed from the front line of battle. He lied about his transgression, and he tried to hide it from God. In the New Testament, we have Peter. Peter was also not perfect. In Mark 14, beginning with verse 66, Mark 14, verse 66, Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again, and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Jesus, if he be referred to as a hero, dies. In Mark 15, verse 33, Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. You see, the Bible is not biased in opinion, in 
teaching. The Bible is not biased. And in that the Bible is not biased, we understand that the Bible is more than just a book because no man could have ever written it. What stories have you read recently in which a hero died? In which heroes make mistakes of different kinds, of various degrees. We may read of, of some mistakes that are made here and there, but but none that would that that would possibly turn us against a person in a story unless he is is bad already. But, but you see that, that the Bible is not biased in what it tells us of these individuals. It, it holds nothing back when it comes to the death of the one that it's all about, Jesus. You see, as we look at the theme of the Bible, there, there are a couple of ways that we have been looking at it at Mars Hill in some of our lessons. Uh, one of the themes is the glorification of God Every word is brought to us in order that we might glorify God. But secondly, it's about Jesus. The theme is Jesus. From the Old Testament looking forward, from the New Testament looking back, everything is about Jesus. Knowing that, that Jesus is the theme of the Bible of every word. Why would Jesus die? Unless it was important. And why would it be recorded? Unless the Bible is not biased. Hmm. You see, no man could have ever written the Bible. It could only be authored by God. We're going to pick up with looking at fulfillment of prophecy. There's a, a great deal of prophecy given in the Bible. And this, this also proves uh, that it is to be believed. And as we look at the Bible, I, I hope that uh, whatever your opinion may be of the Church of Christ, that you look at the Bible as the Word of God. And, and if you look at the Bible as the Word of God, if we understand it to be the Word of God and we find what it teaches us to do, I hope that you would be obedient to the Bible as the Word of God. I am thankful that you joined me today. And I look forward to being with you, Lord willing, again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. as we study another portion of God's Word together. And I hope that you can, can join me for that. Um, but again, thank you for being with us today. And until we meet again, may God bless you.